All right. Well, we are running through the book of Genesis. Last week, we talked about Isaac, who was Abraham's son. And we talked about how he learned some good things from his dad and some bad things from his dad. This week, in chapters 27 and 28, we're, we're heading on to Jacob. Jacob's going to be the next scene in our uh, walk through Genesis. And Jacob is his mother's son. Jacob was... Uh, there, there, was a, there was a problem in the family in that the parents took up favorites. Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. And it caused great turmoil in their family. Matter of fact, in these two chapters, we're going to see a family implode because of the sins of the parents. And it's hard to watch if anybody's watched a family implode, it's, it's, it's hard on your heart. Because you think, this is, this is their brother, this is their sister. How, why can't they get along? And we're going to see in these two chapters, these parents, that it's going to cause a, a rift in the family that's going to last literally for generations. And we're going to see the sin repeated. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. And we're going to meet Isaac again as an old man. And now it came about when Isaac was old. And his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son? And he said to him, Here I am. And Isaac said, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me, and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. Well, as we look at Isaac, Isaac is still caught in that same thing. It's all about me. And Isaac had been through so much. Isaac was the one that was offered on the altar by Abraham, and God said, stop. Isaac had been given, said it's going to be through Isaac that the world is going to be blessed. Not Ishmael, Isaac. And Isaac had all the reasons in the world to listen to God and listen to what he was saying, because when Jacob and Esau was born, who was the firstborn? Esau, they were twins, and it says Jacob had a hold of his heel all the way out. He says, I'm, I'm not letting this go. I'm going to, and God came to Rebekah, and what did he say? He told Rebekah, there's, there's turmoil inside of you, even before they were born. And he said, the younger 
will rule over the older. Jacob is going to be the one who God will bless. Jacob is going to be, not Esau, Jacob. And they were so diametrically opposed. Esau was the hunter. He was the guy that was, he probably had a big woolly beard. It says he was a hairy guy. Matter of fact, we're going to see that in this this today. He was he had red hair and he was just this outdoors guy. You know, it's like the lumberjack guy you would see. Brawny, right? He was that kind of and Jacob said he liked being in his mother's tent and cooking and doing the things of the household. And so we have these parents that take sides. And when we come to this chapter, when we come to these first four verses, Esau forgets all about what God said, who to bless. Now, I, I have to admit, I don't have, J- Jacob was, his name really means schemer. And he lived up to it. He had already robbed the birthright from Esau over a bowl of stew. Wow. And here it is, the blessing, it's time to come for the blessing. The blessing was what would transfer the power of God from one generation to the next. And he said, hey Esau, go out and make one of those yummy meals that you make for me so that I can bless you. Wait a second, who was he supposed to bless? He was supposed to bless Jacob. God had already told him that, but he had his own desire. Esau was his favorite son. Well, the rest of the family isn't doing so well either. If you look on, and I'm just going to summarize the next 22 verses. It says that Rebecca was standing at the door eavesdropping. She was listening to what Jacob said, or what uh, Isaac said, and she turned to Jacob and he says, listen, listen to me. And she makes this elaborate plan. She says, you go get a couple goats and you bring them to me and we're going to cook them up. And then you're going to take it into your father and he's going to bless you. And you're going you're to pretend to be Esau. And even Jacob's like going, what? I'll never get away with it because I have fair skin and Esau is a hairy dude. And so she says, well, we'll put the, we'll put the goat skin on your forearms and on your neck, and he'll never know. And matter of fact, I've got some of some of Esau's clothes that smell like a hunter. We'll put those on you. Wow. What is what is this mother teaching her son? And I want you to know Rebecca was all ready to deceive. It was in her heart. This was not some plan that was just off the cuff. Oh, hey, let's try this. She had thought about this. She knew the day of blessing was coming. She knew that Isaac was getting ready to die. She knew all of this, and she planned it ahead of time. And then she drew Jacob into her plot. I mean, Jacob even had doubts. If you look at... Look at um, Look at verse 20 in this chapter. Verse 20. 
She draws Jacob in. And when Jacob is standing before Isaac, he says, how is it that you have it so quickly, my son? How, how did you get this, this animal so fast? And, he, and Jacob requi- replies, because the Lord our God caused it to happen to me. Can you imagine Jacob's lie attributing that God is in all of this when he knows absolutely that he's lying to his father. And one thing to understand, when you, when you start into one sin, it makes the next sin come easier. Doesn't it? You know, oh, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to have one drink. Some of you have been down that road. And that one drink becomes two and that second drink becomes five. Any sin. Oh, you know, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell this little lie. It makes that next one easier. And that's what's happening here is this deception has gone so far that that it just becomes a total obsession. And unfortunately, the sin of Rebekah falls onto Jacob, and, and it's really going to really mess up Jacob's life. But God is still going to use it. In Lamentations 5 7, it says, Our fathers have sinned and are no more. It is we who have borne their iniquities. And folks, I'm telling you that you can cause all kinds of problems for your children by your own sin. I've watched it in in my life as a police officer. I grew up in the great town of Waterloo, and I remember looking down the street at, at a friend of ours who was an alcoholic, and he had a son that was the same age as my brother, and I watched that young man go from alcohol to drugs to stealing cars to being in prison. The sins of the father were bore out in the sins of the son. We have an obligation to live our lives before our children so that they see a man and a woman of God. They see dad sitting down with his taxes and he says, oh, the government won't won't catch this and then the son comes home and gets gets in trouble because he cheated on his test whose fault is that the sins of the father will be visited on the son we have an obligation even despite all that despite all the all of that J or Isaac has his doubts, but as he reaches up and he grabs the back of his neck and he smells the clothing, he says, well, it sounds like Jacob, but it smells like Esau and it feels like Esau, so I'm going to give you a blessing. And I want you to look at the blessings in in verses, chapter 27, verses 28 and 29, and what a wonderful blessing. And folks, one of the greatest gifts you can give your adult children is to bless them before you leave. And I want you to listen to this blessing that Isaac gives. 
Now may God give you the dew of the heaven and the fatness of the earth and abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you, be masters of your brothers, and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. Now remember, he thought he was giving this to Esau. He was directly countermanding God's word when he said the younger will rule over the older. But the blessing was absolutely perfect. And Jacob received it. And that's one of the things I believe we can do. Now, I want you to watch the aftermath. Once again, we're going to summarize chapter 27 verses, uh, excuse me, uh, I, I missed one there, Ch- chapter 27, 30 to, to 44, because this is the response. The blessing's been made. Jacob slips out in his little disguise with the goat skin and with Esau's clothes, and in comes Esau. He's been successful out hunting. He comes in and he prepares the game and he brings it into his father, and he says, Dad, here I am with your meat. Here's your meal. And I want you to look at Jacob's response in verse 33, or Isaac's response. Verse 33, and then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. What is going on here? He, he was so mad, he was physically shaking because of what had happened. But he needed to take responsibility. Who was he supposed to be? He was supposed to bless Jacob. And even in all of this, Esau Esau responds even more violently. I want you to look at Esau's response in verse 41. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. Wow. How sin eats on the heart as he looks at this. And he pleads with his dad, give me a blessing. And this is the blessing that Isaac gives to Esau in verse 39 behold away from the fertility of the earth will you be your dwelling away from the dew of heaven from above by your sword you shall live and your brother your brother you shall serve but it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck wow you'll break his yoke. What kind of yoke was Esau carrying? Well, I submit to you it was the yoke of unforgiveness. The yoke of unforgiveness. What happens when you don't forgive? 
it, it, does it hurt the other person? Absolutely not. It, it makes you bitter. Look at what it did to Esau. I'm going to kill, I'm going to wait till my father dies and then I'm going to kill my brother. That sound like anything you've heard before? All the way back in the beginning? Cain and Abel, you brought a better sacrifice. I'm going to kill you, and he did. And that's where that yoke of unforgiveness in Esau is going to eat him until one day he learns forgiveness. One day he will learn forgiveness, and we're going to see that in a couple chapters where Esau forgives his brother. Where Esau says, you know what? God knew what he was doing. And that yoke of unforgiveness will be broke. But there's so many times that unforgiveness in ourselves, if we can't get there, it hinders everything. It hinders our relationship with God. Look at what Matthew chapter 6 says. If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Wow! God says forgiveness is fundamental to everything we believe. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we gain that gift? Through his forgiveness. It's fundamental to our faith. It's fundamental to salvation. Forgiveness should be built within us. And you say, well, okay, that's great. I'm going to, you know, God's going to forgive me of my sins and I'm going to forgive, forgive those who sinned against me. I'll do that. You know, I've, I've read the Lord's Prayer. It says to do that. And then we get in church. And somebody says something. Or somebody does something that you don't like. Well, Matthew talks about that too. And then Peter came and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forget who sins against me? Oh, my brother? How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Look at me. I can forgive up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but I say 70 times seven. And Peter goes, oh. That's a lot. But forgiveness is fundamental. Forgiveness is what allows us to walk forward and be healthy and holy before God. And, and in, the, in this chapter, Rebecca sees Esau's response. He says, listen, I'm going to send you away to my brother, and when all this blows over in a couple days, I'll call you back. Rebecca had a plan to protect him, already in place. But it, she thinks it's just going to be a couple days. Now we come to chapter 28. Genesis 28, and I want to read 1 through 9. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padaram, 
to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take yourself a wife of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply, that you may become the companies of people. May he also give you the blessings of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. And then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padaram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Armenian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padaram to take himself a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Cana. And Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padaram. And so Esau saw the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau went to Ishmael and married beside the wives that he had, Mahalathah, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, and the sister of Naboth. We see two things going on here. We see Isaac, what had Abraham done for Isaac? Did Abraham send Isaac to go get his wife? What did Abraham do? He said, I'm going to go get a wife for you. You belong in the land, Isaac. The land is what has promised you. But he sends Isaac away. Instead of saying, Isaac, or Jacob, I'm going to send for, to get a bride for you and bring her back. No, he sends him away. And the second thing that we see is, once again, Esau responds in totally the wrong way. He had already married two women from Canaan, and, and we saw in uh, chapter 26 that they were a real pain to, to Rebecca and to Jacob. And now he marries another. Spite is never a good reason to do something or to do anything. Have you ever seen it? You've seen somebody go out just to spite another person. They say, I'm going to, just because they don't want me to. Mom and daddy doesn't want me to, to, to date a non-Christian, so guess what? I'm going to go out and marry one. How'd that work out? Doesn't work out very well. But Esau decides to spite his father, to spite his mother, and say, I'm going to go out and marry another Canaanite woman. Wow. How we can respond, and once again, where does that come from? That comes from unforgiveness. He couldn't forgive his father. He couldn't forgive his mother. They, were, they both had, had sinned against him in such different ways, and yet he says, I'm going to get back at him. I'm going to get back at him by marrying these women. Well, let's look on in this story. Let's read 10 to 17. 10 to 17. And then Jacob departed from Beersheba and he went to Haran and he came to a certain place 
and he spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream and behold a ladder was set up on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold the Lord stood above it and said I am the Lord the I am once again. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants, and your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold... I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Wow, what an, what an experience. God says, Jacob, I'm not going to leave you hanging out here. Your daddy sent you away. Your mama sent you away. But I got news for you. Jacob was running. Jacob was running away from his God. He was running away from his parents. He was running away from his brother. He was running away from his family. He didn't want any part to do with it at that point. He said, what's going on? My brother wants to kill me. My daddy's lied to me. I lied to my daddy. My mama made this great big, the, the family's in turmoil. He's running away. Not only is he running away from his family, he's running away from the land, the land that, that Isaac had just told him, Abraham was promised it. I was promised it. You're promised it. But he still ran away from the land. And he ran away from his responsibility. You see, he had the birthright. He had the blessing. It was now his responsibility to carry on the name of this family. It was his responsibility, and he ran away. Yes, his parents sent him, but he was a grown man at this point. It was not a kid like it shows here in this picture. He was a grown man when he ran away from God. But God says, uh-uh. You don't run away from me. I'm going to meet you where you least expect it. He met him on top of a mountain where he was laying down to sleep. And he says, listen, you've got to understand. You are the one that I told all the way back when you were in your mother's womb that you were the one that was going to carry on the line. You are Jacob. You're going to carry on the line. I have promised this to you. And he said in his reaffirmation, God reaffirms the covenant to Jacob. And he says, brother, you can run away from the land, but I'm going to give it to you. You can run away from your family, but I'm going to give you descendants like the sea of the land. And you can run away from the blessing of your father, but I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth because of you and through you. He ran away 
But God says, I'm not going to let you get away with it because I'm going to bring you back to the land. I'm going to give it to you. It's yours. God reaffirms the covenant to him and he says, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to draw you back. Now it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take over 20 years for him to get back. And some, some terrible things are going to happen. Jacob never again sees his mother. Rebecca dies in obscurity. We, never, we don't know when she dies. All we know is that in chapter 49 of Genesis, it says that Isaac and Jacob are buried together in the tomb of Abraham. He never sees his mom again. What a tragic thing that she gave up to tell a lie for Jacob. But God called, God says, I'm going to call you back. He always does. Remember the prodigal son in Luke? Give me my money. I want to go, I want to go spend it while I'm young. And he goes and he, he fritters it away, ends up in the pig pen. And this is what he says. In Luke chapter 15. But when he came to his senses, when the prodigal son came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I am no longer worthy to be called a son and make me as one of your hired men. I don't deserve the title of son any longer. Well, I want you to look at how God, how this affected Jacob. Look at verses 18 to 22. So Jacob arose early in the morning. And took the stone that he put under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He called the name of the place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city was Ben Luz. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which have I set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me I will surely give you a tenth to you. He called it Bethel, the house of God. And you know, we, we, we quite often we say, oh, we're going to the house of God, we're going to church, right? And we think of a building, but where is this? Where is this house of God? It's on top of a mountain, and the only thing that marks it is a stone. But Bethel is an important place. Bethel is a place that Israel will always go back to. Bethel is the place where God has met other people. He met Abraham at Bethel, the house of God. And, and that is simply talking about that moment in time when God met with Jacob. 
that moment in time that changed everything. Now, he makes a deal with God, and I'm not too big on making deals with God. He said, God, if you'll do this, and if you'll do that, and you'll do the other thing, then I'll, you'll be my God. That's not really the way God works. God said, if you'll come to me at the foot of the cross, and if you'll lay this down, I'll save you, and I'll change you, and I'll give you a, a place for eternity. The house of God is the place where God truly meets you. And I want you to think back. Is there a place where God truly met you and said, listen, listen, I've got a plan for you. I've got a blessing for you. I'm going to bless all of the world through you. But you've got to listen. You've got to walk with me. I'm going to do all of this for you. The house of God, where is that? Back in the 1700s, there was a young boy that was born to a God-fearing mother and a seafaring sea captain. At the age of seven, his mom died. And this young man was relegated to the care of his father and he would set out on sail with his father and he, become a, he became a pretty good sailor, but he also took in all of those things that sailors sometimes do when they got into port. Went to the places his father took him to when they got into port. And he became a very vile person. And later on, he would get shanghaied by the British Navy and taken onto a British ship, and he became so insubordinate that one day the ship, the naval ship that he was on, was trading sailors from a slaving vessel. And he said, Send me over there, I'm tired of this. And they said, Good riddance. Put him in the boat and sent him over. Sailed on this slave vessel. And one day they got so tired of him that they gave him away to a slave trader on an island, Plantain Island, outside of Sierra Leone. And he was so nasty there that the slave trader gave him to his African wife to be a slave to her slaves. That's how nasty he was. His father had gotten word that his son had been traded off into this island and he sent a captain of his on a ship called the, the Greyhound to go find him. See if you can find my son. I haven't seen him in years. See if you can find him. This is the last place we knew of him. And the Greyhound arrives down on the coast and, and rescues this young man brings them on board. They're on their way back to England and just out in the Atlantic coast, just off the coast of Britain, a, a gale comes on. They're being tossed about. They're pumping. Their ship is falling apart. He spends all night pumping the bilge pumps, trying to keep the boat afloat. Finally, in exhaustion, they lash him to the, to the wheel to try to hold the wheel steady. And as he stands there, he makes these words. 
What mercy can there be for me? God, save me. The sea begins to calm. The pumps hold. It's said that there's a piece of cargo that actually jams into a hole in the ship to stop the flow. And they make it to port. Later on, he gave his life to, fully to Christ, became a preacher, and he penned these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was I was blind, but now I see. John knew. If God could do that for a man like John Newton, what will he do for you? What did he do for you?